Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everybody, it's the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. This is Casey McLean. I'm recording this from my living room while I watch uh, NFL Red Zone. I normally record these on Mondays, but I'm doing. There's a couple things. I'm considering considering a little bit of a programming change. I'd like to start doing two podcasts a week. Um, if that's too much for you, please let me know. It's funny that it's interesting to me that like podcasting is free. Like people consume them for free usually. And at a point I had this goal where I was going to do a podcast every day a couple years ago and I was doing it. I did it for like, I had a pretty good streak and people would complain to me that there were too many podcasts. I was making too many podcasts. And I guess like my thing with that, what I don't understand about it is I'm not forcing you to listen to everyone. You could take a podcast off. You could take an episode off. This is like, if I'm doing a podcast every day, this is like the news, not like an episodic sitcom. You're allowed to take one off. So I'm going to try to do two a week. I'm going to try to schedule more interviews. Um, my life is a, a a constant logistics and time management crisis, so we'll see if that happens. But I want to do two a week. So in order to do that, I think I'm going to at least start releasing one on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, and then another one maybe Thursday. And then if, if you know this thing ever gets any traction, the Thursday one will be a good reinforcement of, uh, hey, I'm in your city doing comedy, so come on out. Um, so I'm watching NFL red zone and I would normally record this on Monday, but it's my wife and my sixth wedding anniversary on Monday. And we are classic Anglo-Saxon Christian culture people. And we are celebrating our anniversary like a couple of Republicans. <laughs> we, we we're, so we got married like a couple of Republicans. We had a child like a couple of Republicans. And now we're going to go eat fish and steak for our anniversary, like a couple of Republicans. So, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if anyone else thinks that's funny, but me, but who gives a fuck? I, I don't know if watching this, if do, recording this while I'm watching NFL Red Zone is a good idea, but I do think NFL Red Zone, by the way, I was very resistant to NFL Red Zone because what I assumed is, is that I would lose interest and watching full games of the team that I love, the Seattle Seahawks. And I have not lost that interest, and I actually don't even mind watching full games otherwise. It's, uh, I love this. 
I love NFL Red Zone. This is like a perfectly created product. I was thinking this has to take away from ad dollars that NFL games are getting on on Fox or whatever. This the the games that I'm watching happen to be Fox or the games that are on the screen right now happen to be Fox games, but there's got to be some segment of the population that gets cannibalized. Is this even sponsored? It seems like the NFL might be hurting itself with this network is what I'm saying. Um Oh wow. Some real action that will be days old by the time but some real shit's happening. So normally I would record this and edit it Monday night, but it's our anniversary, so we're gonna be going out to dinner. Um by the time you hear this, I feel safe that you won't be able to catch us at dinner. So we are going to a place called Wild Fin. It is a a seafood and steak place, as I understand it. I've never been there. Uh, I'm excited. I like both seafood and steak. Um, what did I have? What do we have to talk about? The Seahawks, your Seattle Seahawks, maybe just my Seattle Seahawks, but they lost to the LA Rams on Thursday. But most importantly, they lost Russell Wilson for... What's looking like four to eight weeks, basically. I've seen anywhere from four to eight weeks. Most places are saying six to eight weeks with this injury called mallet finger, which is where a tendon in your finger ruptures. And you could watch Russell Wilson in the game, by the way, and they showed his injury a lot. Um, Oh, man, nobody cares except for me, but the Lions just... Oh my God, they just did this thing. I was talking to my friend Matthias Kulowatz, but then we're watching this in real time, okay? My friend Matthias Kulowatz, probably my best friend. And I don't, I only say probably because I have other good friends. He's definitely, he's one or one A, one B, one C. He's, he is in the top spot. But we were talking just yesterday about how on the road, like the mathematically right decision, especially on the road, if you are, faced with the decision of going for two to win the game or going for a one to tie the game, the mathematically correct decision is probably to go for two because I think teams convert two-point conversions at like a 60% rate. And your chances of winning, if you're two evenly matched teams, there's like a 3% chance that you... Or sorry, there's like a 3% reduced win probability attributed to home field advantage generally i think it's a three point advantage actually so the percentage might actually even be a little bit higher um the team yeah there's like a, a couple compounding factors that make it so that if you are a road team it's it's even more of a no brainer to go for two because your chances of winning are much higher um but anyway I'm sorry. This is, I'm just distracted by, I mean, it's the witching hour. If you're familiar with the, the, the NFL red zone, I turned this podcast on at maybe the exact wrong time. So Russell Wilson hurt his finger and, uh, my friend had this injury a couple years ago, the same type of injury in his thumb. He was like, uh, chopping wood and he, did something to his thumb, hit his thumb with like the blunt side of the hatchet that he was using. 
and could just basically could not move his thumb. And not in the way, by the way, because what we talk about, this is why I think the sensation is so strange. We talk about, I can't move my thumb, I can't walk, I can't whatever, meaning when I put pressure on it, it hurts, so I can't stand the pain. But when you, your tendons are like pulleys, right? So when you cut the pulley, like there's nothing, there's nothing. That sensation has to be absolutely wild. So Russell Wilson is going to miss uh, four to six weeks, four to eight weeks. Presumably he will uh, load up on PEDs or whatever needs to happen. To Oh, wow. Another long field goal attempt. Oh, wow. I'm watching the end of the, the very end of the Cincinnati game. And it's all, this is another big risk. They kick a field goal from, it's a 57 yard attempt, which means that Green Bay is going to get it back on that 47 yard line, which means, whoo, baby, this is, I love like end game football strategy is like the new, in my opinion, for like analysts, sports analysts is like the new baseball analytics. Um, so anyways, the Seahawks are fucked. Probably they're not a good team. This is like the, the, they have a bad defense. Um, offensive line probably has some issues, which is affecting their run game. They're not a very good team. However, they are so deep into Russell Wilson's window and his window might be closing as a, as a top talent in the NFL, which is hard to say because He's a guy approaching his mid-30s, right? Like, this is when most quarterbacks that are not named Tom Brady start to get much worse. And there's not really reason to believe that a guy who's been sacked more than anybody else in the NFL in the time he's been playing is going to age better than everyone else, apart from the fact that he's had very few serious injuries. And I would not consider this injury that he has right now, this mallet finger, to be a career-altering injury, probably, but I don't know that much about it. But he hasn't had like a torn ACL or a or a major shoulder issue. I think he had a, like a pectoral tear, which is not good. But he played through it. Is that the 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 injury that he played through? He played through an injury that is normally a multiple weeks out injury for quarterbacks. I remember. Um. So the the Seahawks are approaching the end of the window, and they got a. Oh my God! There's just what an exciting time to to accidentally be podcasting. There's all these lead changes happening. The Patriots just kicked a field goal to take a lead over the Texans. We got a uh, Minnesota just squeezed a victory from the jaws of defeat, uh, as the old saying goes. I think there might be another field goal happening in Green Bay soon. This is what an exciting time. The window is closing so quickly on Russell Wilson that the Seahawks really need to uh, maximize the amount of opportunities they're giving him. If they care about Russell Wilson's legacy and if they care about winning a championship, which isn't actually completely clear on either things, but if they care about those things, they're going to have to to make some moves. And I kind of... So the the easiest move they could make, in my opinion, to try to try to fortify their quarterback position is to sign uh, 
what's his name? Blake Bortles. Who's not exciting. He's been kind of a punchline for his career, but he did play the last two seasons, spend some time with, oh, the yeah, the Bengals and the Packers going to overtime. Um, Bortles did play with the Seahawks offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, in Los Angeles the last two years. So I do think that's a guy who should be on their radar. They need a backup to Geno Smith. By the way, like... Geno Smith played remarkably well in uh, in the time that he replaced Russell Wilson. He threw an interception that ended the Seahawks' chances, but that interception was probably as much on Tyler Lockett or just bad luck as anybody. So I'm fine with Geno Smith starting. I don't think that's it's very rare that you hear of a quarterback coming to a team midseason and making any kind of a difference, let even coming for one season in his first year, making any kind of a difference. So, yes, you gotta you gotta roll with Geno Smith for now. But I think the other you gotta fortify the team somehow, in my opinion. And you're we're not at the trade deadline, and the Seahawks don't have a lot of of tradable assets right now. But the other thing is, even if you go through a season that's bad, a lot of times teams will get rewarded with a good draft pick. And as many people know, the Seahawks gave up, uh, they gave up their first round pick in 2020 and 2021 as part of the Jamal Adams trade. So you don't even get that benefit. So there's not even any real reason to like punt the season. There's no fringe benefit. So go for it, Seahawks, if you listen to this podcast, and I know you do, uh, Paul Allen's sister, I know you're out there listening. I'm also, so I'm watching this Houston Texans game, which is obviously the like kind of prevailing Houston Texans storyline is, uh, is, um, Deshaun Watson, who, went from being a guy who I think was like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe, maybe underappreciated in the NFL to this pariah because of sexual assault charges. And Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots, the storyline is obviously the continued struggles without Tom Brady. And it's, I think it's interesting. This is like an interesting, uh, a legacy changing time in the NFL because you got to wonder is, is, uh, is Bill Belichick's legacy hurt? It's got to be hurt by the fact that Tom Brady just immediately goes to Tampa Bay and wins a Super Bowl and turns, turns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers into an elite franchise essentially, essentially overnight. I thought I heard knocking, but it was my, my dog's tail. <clears throat> Oh, I had a moment. This is a an aside, a pretty deep aside. Let's remember everybody that we're talking about the Patriots. I'm curious what you would do on this. Please, I mean, t- uh, tweet at me or whatever. Send me an email, but <clears throat> send me an email. But also, I don't want to give you my email address because I don't want too many people sending me emails. So uh, send me a tweet, a Facebook message, a DM, whatever, Instagram DM. 
I went to leave. I had breakfast with the aforementioned Matthias Kulawatz this morning, and I left when I left my house. I saw there was a stray dog, and I did my part. First off, huge dog. This dog's probably like a hundred pound. If I was gonna guess, and I have like a like an on the spectrum level of success guessing dog breeds, I would go like lab mastiff mix. Yeah, that's right. Not only do I know the breeds, but I can usually pick out some something very close to what is the mix of a of a mutt. <clears throat> and I saw this stray. And first off, I thought, you know, a lot of times you'll see like uh these off-leash dog owners and that's, you know, that is what it is. Um people have a lot of feelings about that. I'm not I'm not here to have, make an impassioned argument that every dog must be on a leash at all times that it's outside of the house. Um, and then a lot of, the, oh boy, the Packers just intercepted in overtime. The three and one, the three and one Bengals appear to be headed for a three and two record. Uh, so this dog. I, the other thing I, I'm wondering is, you know, sometimes people have those long leashes, but it happens that this dog is walking right near my car. So I go over there, see the dog. The dog has uh, no leash. It's got like gray around its mouth. So I think it's like a little bit of an older dog, but still has enormous testicles. Okay. And this is a big dog. And I see some other people kind of like Northwest northwesting their way around uh passive aggressively not acknowledging this dog person walking their dog just like avoids the dog so this is what i did dog also doesn't have a collar i gave the dog like a couple shots tried to call the dog saw another dog owner they saw the dog the dog's like not coming to me not coming to anybody i go after it but i gotta leave and so i left but I kind of feel like, what am I What am I supposed to do? I think of these things through the lens of being a parent now, which is to say, like, here's this enormous dog that, you know, maybe has, well, it's got testicles, so I'm, I'm uh, profiling it in my mind as more, I got a lot of picks, watching a lot of interceptions to, to seal the fates of some of these games. This dog has testicles, could have uh, could have some aggression issues, etc., etc. I'm worried. I don't go try to track down this dog. I'm going to have to wrangle it by its scruff if I'm going to do it because there's no collar, no tags. What do you do in that situation? You tell me. Um, there were other people that saw the dog, so maybe it's a good Samaritan situation. Like the maybe I last episode of Seinfeld did these this dog and uh there's a good samaritan law coming after me i didn't see the dog when i got home but i also didn't see an enormous dog carcass so i think probably the owners found the dog uh back to bill belichick bill belichick drafted mac jones and i actually think mac jones is going to be a fine nfl quarterback and i think part of what happens in the nfl or when sports analysis happens. God, who was it? Oh, I was reading... Uh... Oh, shit. The Packers got a field goal partially tipped. Wow. 
Wow. I think uh, Mason Crosby, by the way, had not missed in like 25 attempts leading up to this game, and now he's missed. I think I think they just said three in this game. The Seahawks' uh, Jason Myers had a big streak going that got broken. I think they're not saying this on the broadcast, but I think Mason Crosby's got tipped. <clears throat> okay. So, uh... Mac Jones is fine, but it, there's in the, so in the Undoing Project they talked about the Houston Rockets. I believe this was them. They didn't allow. Um, you could only make cro- now. It couldn't have been the Rockets. I think it must have been football, but you couldn't make cross racial. Sorry, you had to make cross racial comparisons for players because we are very as just dumb fucking animals human beings it's the easiest thing for us to do is to make a comparison between two guys and go well he's his game is more is like this guy that he kind of looks like and I, I called my friend on this a couple years ago uh i can't remember who the basketball player was but he goes yeah he's got a game kind of like uh let's say ray allen well, Ray Allen is like one of the best shooters in the history of basketball. And the guy he was talking about could not shoot very well. And I was like, are you making that comparison strictly on looks? And by the way, it wasn't Ray Allen. I can't remember who it was. This would have been like 2011 or 12. And he's like, I think I might be because they're both black. Is it just on looks? And they're, and you know, they kind of look alike and blah, 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 blah. And I, so I think we tend to just assume any big immobile white guy is going to be a Tom Brady type. That's like the easy comparison to make. And I feel like, first off, we have immobile, strong-armed, accurate black quarterbacks. We don't need to keep making the same tired white guy comparison. You could give him a Byron Leftwich or a Jameis Winston or a, or, um, Somebody else. Ooh, big catch in uh, in Cincinnati, by the way. This game would be a real slobber knocker to be watching, which is my favorite term. Slobber knocker is easily the best term for like a close game that's somewhat high scoring. Uh, speaking of which, Jameis Winston had a day today. Um... So, I think what we're learning is that, and this is kind of the Russell Wilson thing too, why you got to maximize maximize the opportunity now is what we're learning in New England is that finding a quarterback in the NFL is fucking hard. And Bill Belichick got to spend a huge chunk of his career with maybe the best quarterback in the history of the NFL playing at a steep discount, which is not only because he wasn't a first-round pick, and not only because they won Super Bowls on Brady's rookie contract, but also Brady gave the Patriots discounts to make the team better for years. And you got to wonder if if you give Pete Carroll an extra $10 million in cap space annually, or Mike Tomlin, or Andy Reid, or you know, name name guys who have won a Super Bowl, who we know have at least coached well enough or not poorly enough to take a team 
to a Super Bowl victory. If you gave those guys $10 million extra dollars and just them, not the league, because that's a lot of times what happens is the league will increase the cap, but that just changes the 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 economy of the entire league, not really. Um, this is boring. If you gave those guys $10 million extra dollars and not the rest of the league, how many more Super Bowls would they have won? How much more is $10 million worth of talent? Uh, what what could they do with that? How many more Super Bowls would maybe those guys collectively have won? Not to say, I do believe Bill Belichick's a great coach, but these legacy things tend to get talked about in these crazy absolute. Oh my God, I'm hiccuping like crazy. These crazy absolutes, right? Which is uh, to say like, yeah, Brady is maybe the more important part of that legacy, but that doesn't mean the Belichick isn't good. That doesn't mean the Belichick is a scrub. There's been other great quarterbacks in the NFL. We saw Tony Dungy win one Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, I think. Uh, who was the coach in in Denver when when Manning won? It's not the same guy as now, right? Anyway, was it Kubiak? I guess that might make sense because Kubiak eventually... Uh, Wow, Cincinnati just missed another field goal. Oh my god, this is a crazy end of this game and he thinks they made it but they missed. That's hilarious. Wow. He actually hits the flag. Wow. Wow. That's hilarious. The the Bengals kicker started celebrating. Um, this is going to be a meme, probably. By the time you hear this, McPherson celebrating, this will be a meme, I suspect. The Bengals kicker, whatever McPherson. Whatever McPherson. That's actually his given name. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so the legacy things tend to get talked about in these like crazy absolutes and uh i don't i don't think i think the belichick's a great coach but i think it's really solidified tom brady's legacy right because especially if he can do if he can take the <clears throat> if he can take the uh bucks on a deep playoff run again this year i mean you gotta you got to give it to the man. He's an incredible... You know, uh, let me be the first to say it, everybody. Tom Brady's an incredible quarterback. <laughs> I'm going out on that limb. I'm brave enough. I'm the only one brave enough to actually say it. All right. Now that I've turned off enough of the comedy fans with the sports talk, let's dig into this Dave Chappelle special because, I mean, first off, uh, I'll start with this. Comedy isn't meant for everybody, okay? Stand-up comedy specifically. The the version of comedy that is one man or one woman standing on stage with a microphone only and exposing their flaws is not for everybody. So let's start with that because 
and especially when it's like this person is trying the comedy we expect as consumers now is like supposed to be revelatory and vulnerable but it can only be vulnerable in the ways and revelatory in the ways and this person can only be flawed in the ways that we've chosen to be acceptable and if they say that they're shitty in one way that that might you know start a entire political movement that takes down all human rights relax everybody it's comedy and if and it's very possible that stand-up comedy is not for most people but dave Chappelle released a special and as you might expect if you're familiar with dave Chappelle, it's become controversial um and i think we're reaching a point with these networks like uh, a lot of people want Joe Rogan canceled constantly and Spotify standing by him. He's making them too much money to, to not, uh, to, to end his show. And that's true of, I mean, Netflix has got to be like close to a hundred million dollars invested in Dave Chappelle. They, uh, hurt their relationship with the company that, they were licensing Chappelle show from because of Dave Chappelle. They've got a lot of money and goodwill and, and personal equity built into Dave Chappelle. And because of that, these protesters and these activists and these angry emailers are not going to get what they want. And Netflix is not going to get rid of Dave Chappelle's special very likely. But the other thing that's striking to me Dave Chappelle puts out a special and we know that it's going to be controversial and he's going to, if you come after Dave Chappelle, he's going to talk about it in his next special. Like this is not a surprise. We, you know what you're getting when you start a Dave Chappelle special. Okay. So I think the excuse, this like idea that anything he's saying is shocking at this point is, is not, it's bullshit, but also this is a, like a codependent ecosystem kind of like Dave Chappelle's this special is born from this material would not exist exist were it not for this like activist culture and these activists these fake comedy activists these fake comedy journalists, this is the shared ecosystem. They could not exist without a controversial figure to talk about like Dave Chappelle or like Louis C.K. or mm, huge third and 15 pass by Aaron Rodgers. Let me be the first to say Aaron Rodgers, also a good quarterback. Um, These are mutually beneficial relationships. Mutual, what is that mutually insured destruction? It's quite the opposite. It's uh, mutually insured prosperity because the more Dave Chappelle puts out, the more Seth si the Seth Simons of the world have to talk about. And the more they talk about Dave Chappelle, the more he has to put out. These are, <clears throat> I think comedy journalists are quite frankly are parasites in most cases, but their hosts are also feeding off the parasites. But let's talk about the actual special because uh, the special focuses pretty heavily on 
trans people. Um, there's obviously like a little bit of COVID stuff, but a lot of it is about trans people and how Dave Chappelle is controversial in the trans community. And there's, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm slightly distracted by, so there's, there's like, by the way, I think it's, it's like funny and thoughtful. I think that Dave Chappelle has become everything that people loved about George Carlin. And he's also become everything that people hated about George Carlin, which is George Carlin put out some stuff that, you know, first off, probably put out some stuff that even George Carlin would not stand by today. He also put out some stuff that would not live up to the the authoritarian standards of 2021. Uh, and, you know, he was a philosophical guy, et cetera, et cetera. This is what Dave Chappelle has become. This is the his place in comedy, in my opinion, is like for better or for worse. And I'm the for worse isn't a throw in, isn't just a throw in. He's become the next George Carlin. And he's also become the next George Carlin where it's like, there's like an emperor's new clothes thing where he's got some punchlines where you're like, ah, like that shit was tired in the nineties. And that's your punchline. There's a line that he talks about um, uh, a trans woman friend of his in the audience. And this doesn't give away. There is like a, uh, I actually think that the special is kind of beautiful. And I'm not a Dave Chappelle fanboy. I don't put him in. <clears throat> I recognize his place in comedy, but it, he's not in my, frankly, not in my top five uh, favorite comedians to watch. Now, I've paid a lot of money to see Dave Chappelle and I he's I recognize his greatness. He is great, but he's not in my top 5. I'm not an apolo I'm not a uh, an apologist for Dave Chappelle on fandom reasons. Maybe I'm an apologist because I can empathize with this worry. He is doing a thing that it's making that is making it easier for me to tell jokes that I think are funny that are not hateful but that might ruffle some feathers and so Dave Chappelle it's beautiful in that I think he's like an incredible storyteller and he's got a point and one of his main points that I think is very valid and I think people should consider as they as we embark on this like incredibly divided and fake activist laced period of our history he's not talking about trans people not deserving rights he's talking about how the focused the focus frequently shifts away from uh equality for black people and equity for black people when any other cause presents itself and then reveals himself as like one, a flawed person, and two, as a guy who maybe doesn't have... By the way, not even necessarily believes everything he's saying. He's joking. These are A lot of these things are jokes on a comedy set, believe it or not. Um, 
But finally, I think that the he describes his relationship with a friend of his who's trans. And I had a couple friends suggest that maybe he's like, it's a lie. The relationship is a lie. I don't know if I believe that. I thought it was beautiful. I thought that uh, I understand why people are mad about it. I understand why, <clears throat> you know, it's just, it's not, not everything's for everybody. And I don't think it's, I don't think that Dave Chappelle hates trans people. In fact, I think this is one of the things that we do is we go, oh, he's had a slightly imperfect opinion on trans people or a very imperfect opinion on trans people well let's present it as the worst this is how we get to everything is nazis everything is hitler the right and the left are both hitler in the eyes of the left or the right um and it's just not a good place to be all right thank you for listening to this podcast come see me Coming up, I'll be in uh, Montana, Spokane, Lincoln City, Oregon. I got got, uh, accepted into the Boston Comedy Festival, and it would have been the most, I guess, prestigious out-of-town festival I've ever been in. And I, I, uh, I had to fucking drop out. I consulted with my my closest comedy consigliaries and I uh I had to drop out of the out of the festival. Mason Crosby makes a field goal this time. Packers win, baby. Packers win. I don't care. I don't care about the Packers. Uh I had to drop out of this festival because of this Lincoln City gig and because most festivals are exploitative bullshit that doesn't help comedians nearly as much as they purport to and uh I'm going to make good money all through November. I had already dropped out of the running for the Seattle International Comedy Competition because I booked too many weekends to to justify turning down in November. Um, and so this one's no different. So I'm, uh, yeah, this is my dog. You can hear her breathing. Now she's not breathing. Well, she's breathing, but not loudly. Um, yeah, I had to drop out of the... Uh, out of the competition or out of the running for that competition, out of the running for the Boston Comedy Festival. And it's frustrating. So please make my decision justified. Come out to Lincoln City, Oregon. Come out to Spokane, to, to Tacoma. I have some shows in Tacoma. Um, this is the, I'm also, I have a weekly show at Airport Tavern that's free admission most weeks. And maybe we'll just become free admission permanently. So, Please come on out for that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow me at the Casey McLean. Share this podcast with a friend and don't put red sauce on a burrito unless it's on the menu. Thank you. And I will talk to you next week.